0: All apologies to those who glaze over when the discussion arises about language or distinct society with flashes of Meech Lake or Charlottetown. With Quebec's Bill 96, that could be where we're headed again. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. Quebec's Bill 96 will firmly entrench the French language as the only official language in that province. Quebec Premier Francois Legault wants to open up the constitution to recognize the province as a nation. Also on the horizon, a minister of French language as well as commissioner of French language to enforce those new language laws. Bill 96 also comes with generous use of the notwithstanding clause to get what it wants, and it brings a number of questions. What about Quebec anglophones and their rights, and allophones as well? As well, can a province actually open up the Constitution and make changes without debate? Our unpublished.vote question asks, do you feel Quebec's Bill 96 will violate the Constitution? Yes, no or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. Now, coming up on the show, we'll uh, get some perspective on whether this is indeed constitutional as well. What are the political ramifications? Now, joining us to start, Jack Jedwab is the president and CEO of the Association of Canadian Studies. And, And Jack, in the midst of a pandemic, what sparked the CAQ to push Bill 96 to the top of the agenda?
1: Well, They've had a commitment electorally to reinforcing language laws. It's a key platform for them. There's a lot of appeal uh, to their uh, regional electorate, including some of their Montreal francophone electorate as well. That's been persuaded by uh, media in Quebec, uh, particularly at uh, the Journal de Montréal, where the uh, columnists seem uh, quite uh, concerned about the uh, dire threat to the French language, suggesting practically on a weekly basis that it's uh, near disappearance from Montreal, that it's urgent to act, and the government, which uh, seems to be uh, very uh, appreciative and benefit from the support of that segment of Quebec media, uh, wants to uh, try to, I think, appease the people who have this dire concern about the imminent disappearance of the French language.
0: And do French Quebecers feel their language is being threatened?
1: Uh, they've always felt that the language is threatened. Uh, it's not a new phenomenon, as revealed in polling data going back 30 years. Uh, despite the language laws, the uh, population is reminded that French and uh, the French population of Quebec represents a tiny minority in a North American sea that's predominantly English. Now, some people are actually saying that the 400 million plus people in North America also include a lot of Spanish speakers, uh, but you know, the fact is that people are are reminded constantly or or at least relatively regularly that French is uh, always at risk in this big North American English uh, continent. So, uh, polls will continue to indicate that the vast majority of Francophones feel French is threatened. Uh, Conversely, non-Francophones don't feel that way either in Quebec and or in the rest of Canada. One quarter uh, consistently feel French is threatened, but most feel And in fact, in a poll we're going to be publishing over the weekend uh, with Leger Marketing, uh, most non-Francophones feel that English institutions in Quebec are more threatened than the French languages. Oh, that's an interesting dichotomy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, that's why you get this uh, uh, disconnect between the uh, non-Francophones, that's Anglophones and Allophones for that matter, that tend in Quebec to see issues more from the standpoint of English-speaking Quebecers, and they do the French-speaking Quebecers, uh, don't seem to be able to uh, reconcile these divergent views around the uh, perceived threat to the French language and what that constitutes, and the threat to English-language institutions, where the majority of Francophones, the vast majority, don't feel as any threat to English-language institutions in Quebec. Quite the contrary, they think they're flourishing, and they very often think that the English-speaking minority doesn't recognize or appreciate their uh, privileged position in Quebec society.
0: If If French is on the decline, as the uh, CAQ says, or, you know, obviously, as some of the other pundits have said, does that mean it's, there's that much more English being spoken in the province? Well, that's
1: the perception that uh, is being uh, disseminated or shared by some media uh, and politicians that are building on this sort of sense of nationalism that really is rooted in the concern about the future of the French language, which is fundamental to the identity of Francophones. It's true that you know, language is a very important part of people's identities, and particularly in a place like Quebec, where it's the main marker of people's identities. Uh, but uh, the threat is very often described in anecdotal terms. So if you are uh, walking in downtown Montreal, and you happen to go into a retail outlet, and you hear a lot of people speaking English, then you're going to be under the impression that English is expanding, even if that's not the case. And even if, even if uh, reality is there haven't been a lot of English speakers that shop in the western part of downtown Montreal. And and and, and whether people are surprised, are surprised by this or not, when English speakers get together, they tend to speak English to each other, right? Even if mm-hmm. it's in, uh, you know, Montreal, which is a, you know, predominantly French city in terms of the composition, right? So, uh, this is more about people's perceptions, about their expectation as well. So, uh, we see that uh, written into the law and, uh, and often expressed uh, uh, by various thought leaders that the idea that French is the common language. So, What does the common language mean? If the common language means that people's expectation is that French should be wall-to-wall, uh, wherever they go, that's what they should be hearing. That's not going to happen in a place where there happen to be a fair percentage of people who are English speakers. You know, would be the same in some place like Gatineau, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, for example, if your expectation is that in Quebec French should be wall to wall, well, there have to be a lot of English speakers in Gatineau uh, and a lot of bilingual people, a lot of people from Ottawa who will go to Gatineau, a lot of people in Gatineau go to Ottawa. So you're going to see much more mixing, and in fact, you'll see the same in Montreal. But it's that mixing and the expansion of that mixing, and there has been expansion of that mixing, uh, much higher degrees of bilingualism amongst both francophones and anglophones. Uh, much more conversation, therefore, between them, for people who are worried about the French language, they'll see that bilingualism, the mixing as a threat. And they'll call on policymakers to act upon that perceived threat. And there is increased mixing, right? I have to think that's a positive thing. Uh, But, you know, people are fearful of
0: mixing. So... You know, I, I'm curious about the impact on business and, and whether you think it will have. When I, if I recall correctly, last time language became a really big issue back in the 70s, a lot of, a lot of head offices decided to leave Montreal. Uh, do you expect anything like that again? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm not sure, actually.
1: Uh, you know, the Montreal economy has been fairly good. Uh, there seems to be a part of the economy that is sort of uh, protected from some of this legislation. Right, there are exceptions in, in a lot of legislation. Uh, so, and even this piece of uh, of, of proposed law, Bill ninety six, uh, it's got uh, some caveats in it. So, for example, if you look at the whole issue about bilingual municipalities, uh, which was supposed to be removing bilingual status from municipalities that fell under that fifty percent English mother tongue benchmark, uh, which is kind of paradoxical because you'd think. That if they fall below 50%, they're less threatening, not more threatening, right? Uh, and, but even the removal of bilingual status uh, came with an exception that if the municipal council voted to retain the municipal status, they could do, bilingual status. They could do so, right? So that one is almost more symbolic. There are many dimensions of this bill that are very symbolic. Uh, the CJeP issue, which is supposed to be a key issue as well, initially there was a lot of push, especially amongst Journal de Montreal columnists, for closing uh, access to CJePs. Uh, for persons that were uh, ineligible because they didn't do the majority of their education in English in Canada, right? So they apply the sort of Bill 101 uh, provisions around elementary and secondary schools to Sheps, but that's not what ended up happening. Instead, they put a cap on enrollment in English language Sheps, which could have an impact on the institutions that were growing quite a bit, but isn't the same as restricting access uh, to those SHEPs, which really the paradox of that is it's really more francophones that are potentially punished because Francophone youth are trying to get into those English CEGEPs to a significant degree to enhance their English, because they, you know, aren't able to get those opportunities otherwise. But even that one was a little more nuanced. Uh, okay. Some of the other provisions are more nuanced too, and the notwithstanding clause, it's not certain why the notwithstanding clause is necessary at this point. It's sort of the government's throwing it in to make people feel that, hey, you know, we're not going to let them undercut this piece of legislation, folks, even though there's lots of nuances in it and lots of symbolism in it. Similarly, for the constitutional provision, uh, uh, our new poll is indicating that there's significant opposition to the constitutional recognition inside that section 45 uh, of Quebec as a nation, even though it's almost unanimous in parliament with the exception of Jody uh, Raybould-Wilson, Okay. Uh, the uh, vast majority of Canadians outside of Quebec are against the, 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 that measure. Inside Quebec, the vast majority of Anglophones and Nalophones are also against that measure, uh, but the majority of Francophones are for that measure, Right, that recognition of Quebec as a nation. Uh, and all the parliamentarians seem to not care that the majority of Canadians outside of Quebec are against this, as are the majority of Anglophones and Nalophones against this. Uh, it doesn't seem to matter to parliamentarians who I think don't care what Anglophones and Allophones in Quebec think, because that's not where you know the, the voting difference is for any of them, except for the Liberals, who are convinced they're going to hang on to those votes, anyways. Uh, and outside of Quebec, uh, they'll you know say, look, it's no big deal, because in effect, it's a very symbolic measure, right? You know, Jagmeet Singh and others saying, look, it's not going to impact the rest of the constitution. Don't worry about it. It's purely symbolic. So you've got to ask yourself, if it's purely symbolic, what's the point? Right. Other than, uh, you know, it's good for our electoral prospects in the province of Quebec, whether we're Aaron O'Toole or Jagmeet Singh or or Justin Trudeau, even though the the bottom line is uh, you do this and it'll probably just consolidate the bloc's position uh, anyways with those francophone electors, particularly outside of Montreal.
0: Jack, I want to thank you for joining us. No problem, Ed. Jack Jedwab is the president and CEO of the Association of Canadian Studies. Now, Bill 96 is about increasing the use of French in Quebec, full stop. But that will leave anglophones and allophones feeling left out. Marlene Jennings is the president of the Quebec Community Groups Network, and she joins us now. And Marlene, what impact do you see on, let's start with the business sector first, if Bill 96 passes.
2: Oh, we're going to have a lot of a lot of businesses, especially small business owners, are having a really difficult time with the pandemic, um, having to close, not being able, if they don't have online presence, being able to sell their goods or services. So now, with Bill ninety six, we're talking about increasing their regulatory requirements, documents to fill out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. rules and regu- the whole gamut—and um, at a time where they're they're looking for help from the government. So we already have um, business associations saying this is not the time to be doing this. One, and two, um, saying that um, we're going to lose some of our companies will simply move outside of Quebec, where they won't have these. Restrictions, and given that we have much more online, what we're calling teletravail, online work or working at a distance, that is a real option. So, yeah, there's a real problem with Bill 96 as it pertains to small businesses.
0: Let's talk about employment of anglophones or allophones. Oh, will that have that will have an impact?
2: Well, when you take the fact that Quebec is the largest employer in Quebec and only 1% of the public servants are English speakers in the sense of members of the English speaking community, even though we're almost 14% of the population. And on the federal side, federal institutions that operate in Quebec, we are underrepresented. Um, and have uh, been historically, and as yet the federal government has done nothing to address that, you're talking about the vitality, ongoing vitality of our community, because any community in order to continue to thrive has to be able to keep its members there. Once they get educated, they find jobs, they uh, establish families, buy homes, begin to get more involved in their community. Well, if our members are having to look outside of Quebec to get employment. Um, That puts the danger of the vitality of our community right on the front burner.
0: Do you see this Bill 96 as increasing the use of
2: French in the province? No, I don't, because the studies have shown over and over and over again that the use of French is actually thriving, that we have more bilingual Anglophones. In fact, uh, the English-speaking community in Quebec has never been so bilingual. Close to 60% are bilingual, and when we go push down, drive down to the younger, uh, 15 to 35. They're 80% bilingual, yet they can't get jobs. We have a higher unemployment rate in that segment of uh, the population than the Francophone majority in the same age group. 6% higher unemployment rate. And when we look at the poverty levels, We have our community, minority community, has a higher rate of poverty than does the francophone majority. Um, So when people use these old stereotypes that we're privileged, that we all live in Westmount, um, that our bank accounts are, you know, overburdened with money, it's not true. It simply is not true. We are so marginalized on so many uh, societal uh, indicators, but our government isn't paying any attention to that.
0: What other indicators are you marginalized at?
2: Well, if we take, uh, as I said, the poverty, the Mm -hmm. income levels. Mm -hmm. If you take the uh, median income level that's been established by all governments here in Canada, they all follow it. We are the minority community with the lowest uh, average median income, lower than Francophones outside of Quebec, lower than the Francophone majority in Quebec. That means our community is largely populated by poor people, by people living at the lowest socioeconomic end of the spectrum and yet, Provincial government policies do not address that, Um, and sometimes our federal policies also don't address it. It's not recognized, it's not taken into account when new programs and policies are brought to the fore by governments.
0: Uh, The uh, the Quebec government says this bill won't affect the English-speaking community, uh, although they haven't determined how that would be. Uh, Does that allay any concerns, or have you heard this one before?
2: Heard it before, and just by virtue of the fact when um, Premier Legault and the minister responsible for this uh, language reform stated that historic Anglos who form eight, 8% of the Quebec population, right there, it's affecting us because our our population is almost 14%. They're using a definition that is so restrictive that over time, the official English-speaking minority community wouldn't exist any longer.
0: The notwithstanding clause, there yes. is a lot of talk about the use of that, and that has a big concern for your organization.
2: It it does. I mean, we have concerns about the use of the notwithstanding clause, but at least Previous to the Quebec government using it first on the what, what's commonly called the Hijab Bill, mm-hmm. um, Bill 21, and now on Bill 96, um, governments used it once they had adopted legislation. The legislation was challenged before the courts, went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. The Supreme Court carefully examined and then made a ruling. Either yes, the entire legislation was constitutional or no, there were sections which were not and therefore were inoperative, could not be used. That's when government stepped in to say, okay, we need to fix this. We'll use the notwithstanding clause for those sections and we'll have five years to come up with better legislation on that that does respect the constitution. Quebec has taken an entirely new route, which is even before their legislation has been debated and adopted in the legislature, they have put the notwithstanding clause for the entire piece of legislation, um, meaning that, and they've preempted, The Quebec Human Rights Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the federal, but I'm more concerned at this point with the Quebec, saying that once this legislation is adopted, no court will be able to deem any action taken under the legislation as violating a fundamental individual human right that is found under the Quebec Charter of Rights and Freedom.
0: Is that enough reason not to pass this bill? I think it is. And I or, think would you not have a legal a legal uh, support in that as well?
2: well uh, I, I, I would hope that that we would We can't we cannot challenge the bill until it has actually been made into legislation. Mm-hmm. Government the, the federal government or even possibly a provin- another provincial government could send a reference even before the bill is adopted, there is a procedure for that to the either the Court of Appeal, if it's a provincial government or the Supreme Court, if it's the federal government to say this is legislation by using the notwithstanding clause. It's completely cutting out any kind of judicial oversight. Is that legal? Is it constitutional? Mm. And there would be a ruling on it. But To date, no other government is prepared to do that. They're waiting to see if it gets adopted, what its final form would be, and then they'll make a decision.
0: Marlene, I want to thank you for joining us.
2: My pleasure. Thank
0: you for inviting me. Marlene Jennings is the president of the Quebec Community Groups Network. Now, to be honest, when I first heard about Bill 96, all I could think of was the many political scenarios that could come out of it. Francois Charbonneau is associate professor at the School of Political Studies and the Faculty of Social Sciences at the University of Ottawa. And he joins us now. And and Francois, what political motivation do you see behind Bill 96? Is it the Quebec election next year or possible federal election this fall? Well,
3: there are political motivations, obviously. I think uh, both would be the answer to your question. Uh, The fact that it was unanimously voted in the... uh, Assembly uh, in the Quebec assembly says that, uh, on top of political motivations, there's also a um, conviction, I would say, that something had to be done with the uh, situation of French language in Quebec. And the fact that there seems to be approval by the uh, federal government, or at least the federal uh, Justin Trudeau's mm-hmm. liberals, indicates that it's a politically uh, it's, it's an issue that is susceptible uh, of uh, acquiring, of course, some votes in, uh, in Quebec, or at least of not losing too many if he would have opposed uh, publicly the measure.
0: Yeah, and I'm wondering, you know, there's a couple of points that Quebec wants to put in the Constitution, one, Quebec is, is, is a nation. and Have we not already gone up this road?
3: Uh, well, it depends what do you mean by that. There was an attempt for over 30 years. You seem to be about my age, perhaps a little bit. I mean, when you recall when we talked about the constitution on a daily basis, we haven't for the last 20 years, but this was something that was uh, asked by uh, Quebecers for the longest time. There's been a strong consensus in French Canada that it's time to call a cat a cat, that French Canada is a nation. Um, and that nation needs to either uh, go its separate ways or to be recognized as such within the constitutional Canadian framework. So uh, in an astute political move, uh, Francois Legault decided to go alone, not to wait for the rest of Canada to recognize the obvious uh, existence of something that you can call either a distinct society or, I mean, you, you pick what you want, but Politically astute, because you recall how many attempts were made to uh, to to go down that route, and it it always failed. That being said, it really does look like a very symbolic gesture. It's hard to see what kind of impact it's going to have. In the very same way, a few years back, uh, a lot of French Canadians wanted. Ottawa to be rec- to be officially bilingual, and there was a strong movement. It mm. took about 20 years, uh, and a lot of Anglo Canadians thought this was the end of the world. Well, it was adopted in 2014. Was that? It, did it change anything? Did your life change? Nothing changed. So uh, it seems to be like a very strong symbolic move that's going to have uh, uh, a symbolic impact. But keep in mind, it's not. It's uh, it's to incorporate a concept. Into the Canadian Constitution, and it's a um, uh, major—I mean, it's the the major political impact is going to be on the Parti Québécois because the uh, because the Parti Québécois wants, uh, has always claimed, and rightly so, that the rest of Canada was not recognizing the fact that Quebec was a nation. Hence, it couldn't be recognized as such within the Canadian constitution. Hence, the only way to go forward was to leave. In the same way that Bill 101 saved Canada, counterintuitively as to how English Canadians perceived the law, what it did in the early 80s, it secured French Canada so much they thought, well, we can stay because French has some sort of protection. We don't need to leave the country. Bill one single-ended least, I, I feel, saved uh, Canada. And I think it's going to uh, counterintuitively, there might be some impacts which we can discuss, but it, but th- this is going to have the exact same effect in my mind. Uh, and it probably is going to kill the Parti Québécois. There's a strong likelihood mm.
0: You know, uh, and and let's just talk federally for a second, as most of us are anticipating an election late summer, early fall. Uh, And, of course, this will be front and center in particular with everybody trying to uh, gain seats in Quebec. Federally, how do you score points in Quebec without alienating everyone else? Well,
3: as you probably know, uh, for the longest time in the history of Canada, conservatives could get in. Uh, federal leave, they, they were to, able to ally themselves with nationalists in Quebec. It was mm-hmm. true prior to the First World War. Uh, after the First World War, uh, the conservatives paid the cost of uh, of having supported uh, conscription uh, for the longest time, but then Mulroney uh, was able, or uh, Diefenbaker before him, but Mulroney, uh, Diefenbaker for a while, but definitely Mulroney was able to get what you could call the nationalist vote without alienating alienating too much in the West. Now, what changed was uh, in 2011, Stephen Harper was able to get elected without that nationalist vote in Quebec. Then that changed uh, the perspective because for the first time, a strong conservative government was able to uh, really have very limited limited seats uh, in Quebec. But now because lots of uh, the the different political parties on the federal scene are are able to uh, get a a significant chunk of the electorate, uh, it really becomes crucial not to lose seats uh, in Quebec. So, honestly, I mean, I, I doubt very much that in the, in the next election, which is going to be uh, maybe in a year or two, people will remember uh, Bill 96 very much, whereas, I mean, outside of Quebec, but it, but had the Liberal government attacked Bill 96, Uh, you can be sure that that would have stayed in in, in the mind of a lot of Quebecers in a year's time. So I think the rest of Canada's public opinion, I might be mistaken about this, but I really strongly think that in a year, uh, when the rest of Canada sees that it hasn't changed very much uh, in Quebec, that linguistic piece is back to where it was, uh, uh, we will have moved on to something else. Uh, Whereas the federal government alienated the Quebec vote, in a year, for sure, they would have paid the political price. I'm I'm convinced of that.
0: Does Bill 96 give the Bloc Quebecois an upper hand going into a federal election, at least in Quebec? I,
3: but but again, how
0: so? <laughs> it, well, it, they supported it, it, it as opposed to others who have been you know there hasn't been a lot of you know we've heard uh, federally. That you know, there's not a ringing endorsement for for something like this, you know. There's sort of the wait and see, or we'll, but there's nothing been a there's been no ringing endorsement about something like this.
3: Yeah, but that's normal because the, I mean we all look at this situation through uh, our own uh, identity paradigm. I mean, as an Anglo Canadian, I'm sure that your first thought was for the plight of Anglo's in Quebec. Uh, I, how many shows have you done so far? Uh, on uh people having access to french uh services in alberta for instance you probably never hear about this the fact that they've cut funding for the faculte saint- Jean have you done a show on this Mostly is that federal not.
0: or is that federal or provincial
3: it's provincial but it's, well. it's i'm just <laughs> trying to show uh, the same thing two years ago when the the ontario government cut entirely the funding for the Promised uh, a University of uh, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, it's a, it's something that had a lot of uh, p- uh, impact uh, me, uh, in the media, in the French Canadian media, much less so in the English Canadian media. Um, any anything that see anything that conform. It's it's to me it's counterintuitive. The the more French Canadians and Quebecois feel secured within the federal framework framework there's less chance that the Bloc Québécois or any independence-seeking uh, political party uh, will thrive. It, it seems counterintuitive because it, it seems like a, a, a victory for nationalists, but nationalist has different meaning in Quebec. Now you can, you, there's a strong nationalist, federalist tradition in Quebec. But Bourassa, Henri, both uh, someone like Henri Bourassa or someone like Robert Bourassa later on, uh were of that of that type or or or, uh, or a professor pelletier who's probably behind some of the elements of the, the bill that was accepted. The idea to include uh the concept of a nationhood within the Canadian constitution uh, was something that he espoused for the longest time. He was a member of the Liberal Party in Quebec. It's just that the Liberal Party in Quebec didn't go ahead with this suggestion when it, it could, could have been 15 oh, years come. ago.
0: Yeah. Just one last question, Francois. Um, uh, uh, Francois Legault has solid approval right now. Uh, Will getting Bill 96 passed increase or decrease that heading into a provincial election? Well,
3: uh, I'm sure. No, I I, I think it will increase. Uh, there There are questions. I mean, not everyone is entirely happy with everything within the bill. But there was a, I mean, you have to remember that for the last at least 15 years, uh, it's almost an everyday occurrence in Quebec that we discuss the fact that immigration policies in Canada are very detrimental to the French fact. Uh, uh, About 7% of immigrants coming to Canada eventually become French Canadians or uh, Quebecois, French-speaking Quebecois, and that that includes Quebec. So on the long term, we see uh, this decline as a problem, but not a single party have done anything about it in the last uh, 15 years or so. So it comes as a solution for, for people who have been discussing for 15 years. It comes as a surprise for people who never bother or never worry about this decline. But keep in mind that Minister uh, Joly and Prime Minister Trudeau were well aware of this. They had sent sang- strong signals the 2016 census had given a rise to major preoccupation in the federal government. They've been talking about the fact that, well, perhaps we should be doing something about the French fact, not just outside of Quebec, but also inside of Quebec. So uh, to a lot of voters, it comes as a solution to a problem. From English Canadians outside of Quebec, it comes as a major shock and surprise. But we've been looking at the numbers for the longest time, and this seems like at least an attempt at a solution. So sure, it's gonna it's gonna please some uh, some um, uh, a lot of Quebec voters. But keep in mind that it was unanimously accepted uh, in the. So it's not as a dividing issue. You don't vote against the Liberal Party because they voted in favor of this. I mean, so far they've. Are you talking in the the house? Are
0: Are you talking in the house or the National Assembly? In the National
3: Assembly. Well, okay. Again, yeah. provincially, I think, but you, you asked me about Légo, so I'm talking about yep. the consequences nope. of the
0: provincial election. That's fine. I just didn't know when you're talking about the unanimous vote. I remember Jody Wilson Raybould had voted right. no. against well, the well, block. But thing.
3: Almost unanimous on the federal level, too, yeah. right? So. Yeah.
0: Uh, Francois, I want to thank you for joining us. Well, it was my pleasure. Take care. Francois Charbonneau is an associate professor at the School of Political Studies and the Faculty of Social Science. Sciences at the University of Ottawa. Now, our unpublished.vote question asked, do you feel Quebec's Bill 96 will violate the Constitution? Yes, no, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. I want to thank our guests today. Marlene Jennings is the president of the Quebec Community Groups Network. Jack Jedwab is president and CEO of the Association of Canadian Studies. And Francois Charbonneau, associate professor, School of Public, Political Studies, Faculty of Social Sciences at U Ottawa. And I want to thank you for watching the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.